Hello and welcome to another chat with Jeremy. That's what I just decided to call it. Uh, this is Dave Harris talking to Jeremy Marchant and we've been discussing networking and the various aspects of networking which can help people, particularly people who are new to networking, get the most out of it, but also people who've been doing it a long time and perhaps uh, are not getting out of it what they think they ought to be. And I'm going to jump in straight away now with a question for Jeremy. Hope you don't mind, Jeremy. We'll just put you on the spot straight Please away. Do. Please do. Here's a question that you hear quite often, and I know this is something that you've put in the book that you've written about this as well. I'm doing everything right. I'm doing everything you told me, but I'm but it's not working. So uh, you know, I'm going to the events. I'm, I'm you know I'm trying to do what it is I'm supposed to do at those events. You know, meeting people, building relationships, but it's not working. So why not? There are lots of answers to that. Uh, we might have to do several podcasts to cover them all. Uh, otherwise, I'll refer listeners to my book when it comes out, which, is, which does deal with this and is, in fact, the main reason for writing a book. Because most books, lectures, presentations on networking don't address this issue, which is how come it's not working? I'm doing everything you said. Um, I think that's because the people who write the books and do the presentations believe that the blame will be attached to them, that they didn't explain well enough how to do the networking. That's obviously why it's not working, because the people aren't doing it well enough, because they haven't been told well enough. And of course that is true sometimes, but it's not usually the case. The first thing is, well, you're still not doing it well enough, so you need to practice, but don't keep practicing what you're doing because by definition you're discovering that that doesn't work. You need to practice doing it properly. And that's something which I cover in the book. Um, and we can uh, tease out what that means in the rest of this podcast. Um, the second thing is that you're not doing it uh, often enough. Going to one networking event a month where there's only... 10 people in the room is unlikely to deliver you what you need. So you need to consider upscaling it and if you live in the wilds of Scotland you're probably going to have to do some digital networking as well which is something we can talk about another time. Um, so do it well and do it enough are the first two explanations. Um, the rest of the explanations are more to do with one's attitude. And by attitude, I really just mean the beliefs and feelings that you have about the subject. Um, to start randomly almost, uh, the first thing that strikes me is that a lot of people get the giver's gain message. They get that if they give help other people, then they're going to get help back. And then they, they're surprised that it doesn't work like that. And it's because of their intention behind doing the giving. Rather than just giving for the sake of giving, they are giving with the demand that they get something back. I call it giving in order to get. And people pick that demand up. It's really interesting how sensitive human beings are to other people making demands on them, even when they're not consciously aware that that's what's going on. Um, and so a story about that was I was having one-to-one -one with an accountant in Swindon years ago, uh, and he got out of his desk drawer a ledger in which he showed me the amount of work that he had received from 
referrals and introductions given to him by members of the networking group he belonged to. And he also recorded the amount of work he gave them so that he could be sure that he didn't give people more work value in terms of pounds than he got from them. It was a real balance sheet for him as an accountant. He was not going to give anybody anything for nothing. As I say, that's, that's a very prevalent attitude, particularly amongst small businesses. Uh, it comes from what I would call a scarcity model. Uh, well, everybody calls it a scarcity model, uh, which is a set of beliefs that basically there's not enough to go around. There's not enough work to go around. There's not enough money to go around. There's not enough, not enough networking events to go around. And in particular, there's not enough love to go around. And these are beliefs which are enshrined in people at a very early age. I speak from my own experience. Um, and that is all around neediness. It's all very unattractive to other people. And other people shy away from it, even as they are unaware that they don't, unaware of why they're shying away from it. That's um, that, that's a fascinating one, isn't it? That that the story about the accountant really rang a, a sort of struck a chord with me. Actually, I don't quite know why, but I think maybe it's because of having experienced some networking events, particularly uh, some breakfast networking events, where everything is is recorded you know in t- and, I, and I remember being told at a networking event that I visited once you know that this is the value of referrals over the last month you know and and here's the chart for the last year and you can see that uh, we had a little dip in July but then it soared in the autumn and all this sort of thing and it and it kind of was all measured um, because obviously that's the philosophy of that particular group that everything gets measured and and there and it and it, and it kind of, and I suppose it's to encourage you to think that the membership fee is worth the biscuit and, you know, and, and so on and so forth, because some, sometimes these networking groups do have a reasonably large membership fee that you have to pay, and you've got to justify that in some way. So I, suppose, I guess that's the thinking behind it. But I have to say, talking from my own experience, uh, as somebody who's done a great deal of networking, I have always been entirely useless at measuring it. I, I kind of do networking... Well, firstly, because I quite enjoy it, if I'm honest. I've come to enjoy networking. I like meeting people. And uh, it's not because you, you meet a lot of people that you've met before, you know, and it's nice to reconnect with them and that sort of thing. And some of them you see regularly at networking events, and that's good. But also, it's really nice to meet new people. So that's kind of one of the drivers for me, uh, particularly, and I think that's particularly true of, for a lot of us who work in our own businesses, where it might be quite lonely some of the time, you know, where, where the sort of boss of a, of a small business. Um, but also, I have I very strongly felt that I should be doing it. You know, there was a, I, I'd kind of you know from talking probably to people like you, you know, I'd sort of figured out that networking was a good thing, and I didn't you know I didn't I didn't particularly want to measure it. I wasn't interested in that. I just knew I needed to do it, and whether it worked or not, well, you know, it's almost like who cares, you know, it's, I've got to do it, you know, I've got, you know, it's not quite who cares, I mean, of course, you, you assume that there is an overall benefit to the business, but I'd be interested to know what you think about that, you know, whether, whether you think somebody like me is probably, because they're not being a bit more scientific about it, is, uh, am I missing something, am I missing opportunities? What you're missing is the ability to identify where you're not doing it as well as you could. 
because there's a sufficiently large number of networking organisations who've been trading for sufficiently long that actually you could, if you did the research, work out what you should be getting from the sort of events that you go to. And if you're getting significantly less, then that might indicate that you could do it better. Um, and you might not realise that unless you had the figures in front of you. I think also, if, if you're of the cast of mind that likes to measure things, you will feel unnecessarily pushed out of your comfort zone if you're told you can't do it. So I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just arguing that it has limited benefit. I mean, I feel suitably admonished, frankly. But uh, you know, I wasn't <laughs> admonishing you. Uh, no, I know you weren't. I, I, but I, but, but I think it's a reasonable point. You know that that you know, if you put in a, if you do put in the research, you know, you're gonna you're gonna get benefits from that mm. because you will, as you say, you know, you'll think, well, actually, you know, I probably shouldn't be spending quite so much time in that group. I could do better in this group, and so on and so forth. So I'm sure that is absolutely is absolutely true. But on the other hand, as I say, there is also an element in it of enjoyment and, and just company. And uh, you know, I think one of, the, one of the groups that you and I are both members of, NRG, we, we, get, um, we get a mastermind session in that. Uh, you know, and I think, though, I think those mastermind sessions you know, where you, you're solving business problems are, can be incredibly stimulating because you're, you're kind of hearing that other people have similar problems to you and you're not alone and, and you get the chance to suggest uh, possible solutions and you hear other people suggest solutions. So you get the benefit of this, of, of this wisdom, I suppose, around the table. Yes, I agree. I, I think we haven't really discussed this, but going to networking events has many potential uh, benefits. And we've discussed about getting clients directly or indirectly but you're right um, there's socializing there's learning from other people there's seeing other people in action particularly for people like me you know I, I cannot not be a coach when I'm talking in those sorts of events and people can assess for themselves whether they think I'm any good at it um, basically it's uh, finding that you get enough benefit from it that you keep going and we discussed intuition before and I, th I think really you intuitively know whether it's beneficial to you even if you can't quantify it which will be the case for some of the benefits we that you that you get from it which we've just described so so to get back to the original you know the start of this podcast when I said you know I'm doing everything right but it's not working and you, you've identified you know several things you know about not doing it enough and not uh, you know and possibly not going to the right places or, or so on and so forth are there any you know are there are there sort of things technical things you know once you're in the room are there obvious pitfalls uh, that people kind of fall into traps they fall into you know that that will are going to make it less effective uh, yes I mean certainly uh, one of the main traps is that imagine you're at an event and you find somebody else to talk to at the event, and both of you are so grateful that there's somebody interesting to talk to that you, you never let each other go. Um, actually, you have to, to sign off at some point, 10 minutes maximum. Um, in those situations, it's perfectly acceptable to say to the other person, I've really enjoyed talking to you, can we perhaps carry on the conversation at one-to-one? -one? Or, I've enjoyed talking to you, do you mind if I carry on networking now? I think uh, when we first met, by the way, I'm sure we talked for more than 10 minutes. 
Yes, but then <laughs> so we, we didn't. We didn't think it was a networking event because we were all naive in those days. Well, um, possibly yes. Um, I would have behaved differently now. Um, so, I think the the key thing is to address the issue that you don't think is the issue, particularly the issue that you're not really aware of. And if that sounds too cryptic, I'll. I'll I'll clarify that. It does sound quite cryptic, actually. It is, uh, it is. It was meant to be cryptic. Yeah, it sort of raised the level of discussion a bit. <laughs> One of the, as a coach, I am usually talking to business people who have issues that they want to have resolved. Preferably, they, they want to do the resolving themselves, but that's not always the case. Uh, and it's a mystery to them why they have this issue. So... That's a generic version of what we're talking about. You know, how, I'm, okay, I'm doing what you told me, how come it's not working? And the question I ask them is usually, how come it suits you that it's not working? What is the payback that you get from it not working? Now, this, this, can, this sort of remark can be met with everything from indignation to, oh my God, I've just suddenly realised the meaning of life. Um, it's usually the, the former, to be honest. Because, of course, this payback is not conscious. And when we're not conscious of something, it's extremely easy for us to assume that it's not there. But actually, on the whole, and this is mainstream psychology, people do things, and in particular they persist in doing things, even if there is an apparent negative consequence, because at some level there is a positive consequence. And so the answer to the... If the, if the person realises, well, um, OK, I, I realise that I'm not going to enough networking events, so how come it suits you that you're not going to networking events? Well, the answer could be simply that they are really scared of them and they don't want to experience the pain. Or worse, they're not scared of them, but they believe something terrible will happen and if it happens, they can't cope with it. And that's probably much closer to the truth when it comes to networking events. Uh, so they may find themselves going to one group regularly because they've got into their comfort zone with that group, but they won't go anywhere else. It's essential if things aren't working as well as the evidence tells you that they should to ask this question, how am I putting obstacles in my own way? It's like the Zen proverb which goes, person stands in their own shadow and wonders why it's dark. That is interesting uh, and fascinating and, and I'm sure also true but the I wonder whether also if you ask the question I'm doing everything right but it's not working and you are and then you counter that with uh, well why are you happy that it's not working I wonder if sometimes it is working but and but at some sort of subconscious level you know things are it is doing things that are positive for the business so it is working at some level but for the person concerned, because they, um, you know, I don't know, for whatever reason they want to say it's not working, they're, they're, they're happy with that because their subconscious is telling them it is working. I, I'm talking nonsense now, Jeremy. Please put me right. Well, I, I think when I use this uh, phrase, I'm doing everything you told me, how come it's not working? The implication is that the person saying it assesses that it's not working. If If they believe it's not working but it is really working then I guess the problem they have is the fact that they have a very 
no ability to assess what works and what doesn't work. Um, and that's what their problem is. And they need to address that first. Okay. I've never found that, actually, to be honest. I, I think most people have a view that it, they're not doing well enough. And there's loads of reasons, as I've said. Um, let's leave it at that. Okay, fair me. enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, th I think that's, I think we've pulled at that string probably long enough. But it's, it is it is a fascinating uh, sort of thing, isn't it? Um, getting back to you know the thing in the room, you know when we're actually in there and we're doing our thing, and let's let's say you know we, um, you know you talked about some of the um, the pitfalls, the, the 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 traps we can fall into. Is there a sort of overall philosophy or or an attitude? Do you think? That we need to take to networking to give it, you know, without talking about the specific sort of rules of what you can say and what you shouldn't say and all that sort of thing. But is there a, is there a thing about attitude as well? You know, when you go into a room, you kind of, I mean, clearly, I guess you're going to have to be fairly positive and that sort of thing. But is, is some of it about expectation as well? Yes, I mean, I think we we all are uh, very good at having expectations of all sorts of situations, whether it's our personal relationships or our business relationships, um, or even that the bus will arrive on time. And my personal belief is that expectations are unhelpful. When we make expectations of other people, they usually perceive it, and they usually perceive it as uh, demands. And on the whole, people don't like demands being made of them. And the fact that all of this is going on subconsciously doesn't mean to say it's not going on. Um, so my, my philosophy is to let go of one's expectations, which is a valuable lesson I learned from somebody years ago. And the issue with that, whenever I say it to people, is that they almost deliberately mishear it. Because what people hear when I say let go of your expectations is expect nothing will happen. But that's an expectation, by definition. So you have to let go of that as well. Uh, a more serious point is that you could almost say that the, the mind is a receptacle of ideas. And if you, if you remove an idea, like the idea of having expectations, there's a hole in which you have to put something, otherwise the expectations will creep back in again. So my suggestion is always to be curious. Fill that hole with curiosity. Don't go to a networking event expecting to get a client, but go to a networking event curious as to whether you could get a client from it or curious as to what you could do or say or feel which is most likely to result in you getting a client from it, for sure. That curiosity, and in particular curiosity about other people, is, I think, what is the most useful attitude to have. So an attitude which says I'm curious about what's going to happen, I'm curious about how I can help people, I'm curious about what they're going to say, is I think the attitude which is most useful. And I think that, um, that comes back again, the curiosity thing, which I think is an excellent point, comes back to the listening uh, thing that we've discussed in, in previous podcasts, if not today. You know, it's really important that you listen to the people you meet Yes, I mean, Woody Allen says that, uh, he's said to have said, that 80% of success is showing up. And for me, there's two elements of showing up. There's actually physically being at the event, because you're not going to get much out of it if you're not there. Uh, and secondly, it's about being mentally present. 
In other words, paying attention to what the other person is saying. Don't let your eyes glaze over because you're just working out what you're going to say next. It's about you being in the moment, present with the person you're talking to, or even better, the person that you're listening to. Yeah, and, that, and that, that classic one, of course, that I guess we've all experienced, and maybe most of us have done it as well, is where you, you, know, you notice the person you're talking to is kind of looking over your shoulder at somebody behind you that they want to talk to more than you. Uh, 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 and, you know, and I'm sure I've done it too. It's, 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 sorry to cut across, but it, it's actually, it is actually possible to do that. Um, but you've got to do it whilst being clear to the person you're talking to that you are paying attention to them. It's, it's a, almost about authenticity. It's, it's about authentically having a conversation. Uh, maybe I'm being too defensive about this. Maybe that's because when I joined Marks & Spencer many years ago, there was a rule that all the stores were laid out such that no gondolas, no displays were t higher than eye level, which meant that if you were a manager on the sales floor talking to customers or staff, you were always looking around to see what was going on in the store. The trick was to do it in such a way that the person you were talking to, which might be a member of the public you've never met before, got that you were still interested in them and paying attention to them as well. Because even men can do more than one thing at once. And it is possible to talk authentically with somebody while still being aware of what's going on in the room. Okay, all right, fair enough. I, I, and I, I think, I, I'm sure you're right about that. But, but, but I think it's also possible to, you know, to, uh, to make it really obvious that actually, or, or to make it seem as if you're not really terribly interested in the person Ooh, yes. you're talking yes. to, because you're sort of... Yes, and, but, and, but that's all done at a subconscious level. The easy, way, the, easy, sorry, the easy way out of that is to actually be curious, be interested in what the other person is saying. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's an excellent note to end on. It, it, it is, you've, you've got to be interested. You've got to be authentic. And, uh, and yeah, if it's not working, there are ways you can make it work. So, Jeremy, thank you very much for talking to us. And, thank you. Uh, join us for uh, the next time we come together to talk about networking. Thanks.